Well, it's like Pavlov's dog. I hear that music and I get all excited about goaltending. In Goal Radio, the podcast. Darren Millard along with the co-founders of In Goal Magazine. David Hutchison and Kevin Woodley. You know, there was a time about 92 episodes ago where I go, is it Kevin Hutchison and David Woodley? I got to keep this this straight. I got to get going. Now we're just grooving as we approach 100 episodes and that special century celebration. Today on this episode, we're going to chat with one of the greatest goaltenders of all time, Shannon Zabados, three-time Olympian, world champion, Olympic gold medalist, a goaltender of the Olympics. What's she doing right now? It's fascinating, and she has used the pandemic to her advantage. She has just had a child, but also she is an author, written a book, and it's a, a child book, and we get all into that in our deep conversation, the feature interview presented by Sensorina, and we'll also have our gear segment brought to you by The Hockey Shop, thehockeyshop.com, source for sports, Surrey and Woody. There's a lot going on around the hockey shop these days. Yeah, and uh, as we'll hear from Cam, some we had gift suggestions last week, but we're going to have a few more ideas. And if you get it in now, and as we record this, uh, it'll be launched a day later, sort of December 9th, 10th window, uh, probably not for an international shipping. Um, so if you're in the U.S., you might not get it by Christmas, probably won't actually. Maybe if you're in Halifax, the far east coast of Canada, maybe not by Christmas. So Darren, to your friends back uh, back on the east coast a little late. But everybody else in Canada, still time, it looks like, and to get some of these items for Christmas. So uh, a chance to stuff a few more things under the tree. Don't wait much longer, though. Uh, get some things for the goalie in your life. Shop where we shop, thehockeyshop.com, and uh, look for some sale items as well, because that's the beauty of this, right? Um, a lot of the sale items from Black Friday, we saw the specials up to 40 to 60% off. The things that remain in stock remain on sale. And you're going to hear about a couple of items here from, from the stick side of things. Even if you can't get it delivered in time for Christmas, let's be honest, it's not all about putting things in other people's stockings. You got to stuff a few items in your own gear bag. And so there's an opportunity to save a lot of money at the hockey shop, thehockeyshop.com right now. Uh, even if you don't make the cutoff for the Christmas deadline for others, doesn't mean you can't get something for yourself. Uh, maybe the people in your life didn't come up with the gift you want. That's where you just got to reach out to the guys at the hockey shop and the hockey shop.com and, you know, take care of yourself a little, you know, it's all about self-care these days, right, Darren? And the hockey shop is here to help with those self-care wish lists. I call it pandemic therapy where I go online to the hockey shop.com and I start perusing and I want maybe a padded shirt uh, for underneath my gear because the skate that I'm playing in right now uh, every week uh, where we do have some ice time is really top quality. So I need a padded shirt, but I have a question for you guys uh, as it relates to goaltending. I don't want to get too far down this path, but we're all goaltenders. Uh, I'm the only one of the three that's playing regularly right now. And I had a nice time, and this is for our listeners and uh, all the professional goaltenders out there. Uh, I'm leaning on you and also Hutch and Woody. I was terrible last week. Like nothing I did worked. And I've been, I've been on a nice little run, but absolutely terrible. So tell me, what's the secret to rebounding, Hutch, off, a, off an awful skate if you're like a men's league goaltender where you only get out once a week? I ask myself... What was it that led to that performance? Because when you're an adult going to beer league, usually it's something that had nothing to do with hockey. 
that, uh, it, you know, like at least in my case, that changed your yeah. performance. And then do I have any control over that? So I don't know, the family went out to the Chinese restaurant and you love the buffet probably means you didn't have a good performance or you're frustrated about something at work or who knows what it is. Uh, I, I think accept that life gets in the way sometimes and that allows you to put the rest aside because it probably had nothing to do with hockey. And, you know, if, if I was talking to a youngster, I'd be talking more about preparation. They had control over what was your pregame routine? Did you, did you do the juggling you usually do? Were you too intense? Were you too nervous? Um, but as an adult, I, I think we face those same sort of questions, but, but they're probably less related to hockey. Even though we'd love to, you know, we'd love to get into that moment before right. the game where we feel like we're I in the NHL and we want to tape a skate and we want to do some juggling and do some dynamic warm-ups and so on. But the reality is life gets in the way. And I, I actually find that fascinating all the time when I'm reading analysis of NHL players and everybody talks like they're machines and you rarely hear it brought up because frankly, it's none of our business. What other things are going on in their lives that are affecting those performances too? Um, so, so yeah, I think, I think us as, as beer leaguers, we need to look, what, what can we can control so that we can just put that behind us? And, and Darren, just got to remember, none of it matters anyway. So it's pretty easy to not get too worked up. We're just having fun. I, I know, but I was just, I was a little bit sour. Like stuff was just happening that shouldn't have been happening. Woody, what would you do? Have another beer Snap after the stick. Have an extra beer after the game. Foam roll. Foam roll. <laughs> maybe, 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 maybe break my warm-up stick. I don't know. Never, never break the game stick, boys. Never break the game stick. Go, go to the never, bench. Never. Blame the stick in the game. Pretend you're yeah. blaming the stick. Go to the bench. Grab the warm-up stick. And then after the next one goes in, then you go snaptastic, but always on the warm-up stick. Most people probably don't know that, right? Like that's every once in a while, you got to just got to, but I'm with Hutch. It is amazing how many times what we bring to the game at our level um, in terms of where our mindset is will affect our play. And it really has nothing to do with skill or ability or pucks taking strange bounces. It's that you're, I mean, I, same thing happens on a golf course, right? If I show up to play around a golf and I, my mind is on the fact I shouldn't be there because I should be working or I have something else to get done. Yeah. Like inevitably it goes to crap, not just because I'm a bad golfer and a bad goalie, but because my mind's not on it. So I think Hutch's advice is. Yeah, I was excellent. thinking that too, like a golf that you can slow down your swing. You can make adjustments. I don't, I don't know what you do. You start guessing. Well, do you, what's your, what's your, do you have a mantra? Do you have an anchor that you, we've heard goalies, all these, you know, got guests in the past. We asked that question. What's your anchor? Yeah. What brings you back to things are going all over the place rather than chasing it. Do you have a foundation in terms of, you know, uh, one of mine is position and patience. So like, am I, am I up on the edge of the crease on a rush chance or have I shrunk back into my nest? So, so that you can, you know, as, as much as we joke about beer league, you can still have a, your own little mental checklist. Um, you know, position, patience, and pucks are the three that I try to go back to when things go to crap position for me is edge of the crease and not ending up on my goal line. Um, patience is just sort of not committing early and trying to beat, beat things on the skates and pucks is all about tracking and trying to make sure that I'm actually tracking and not just moving. So, you know, three P's, right? Positions, patience, pucks. Is that going to prevent a crappy night from getting worse? Maybe not, but sometimes in the middle of like my Monday night skate is we actually have a, a dry scrape. It's, it can be two hours if, if the goalies are playing well and rarely happens when I'm there, but if the goalies are playing well, we, to get through three games, we can go to almost midnight sometimes. And they always try and get through three games. 
And so there is a chance to reset while that dry scrape is happening. And if it's gone to crap on you, it never hurts to have something you can anchor yourself to, even at our I'm level. I'm going to steal that. I, I've been called the anchor before. That's that's <laughs> usually where that goes. But I'll, I'll, I'll adopt the three Ps. Your game's to five? Is that what you guys do? Yep. Uh, games to yeah, five? Three games to five. Oh, I can get a best of nine in, in two hours. <laughs> Forget a forget a best of three. Uh, so uh, that's great advice. I, I really appreciate that. That's uh, not even mocking by you guys, and I expect a little hey, bit of mocking. Uh, we, and we've got uh, articles at Ingle Premium that talk about anchoring. So go check out some of the video there and and see what you can do about focusing your hype level where it needs to be and how you can reset. Yeah, really. Yeah, I know Pete Fry for sure had an article. Okay, I'll yeah, go yeah. search that. And John John Stevenson love it. Uh, got he's he just had one with us at Ingle oh, Mag. Start Ingle breathing, Darren. Members and. Yeah, he's got more coming up in terms of how we can use breathing to sort of center and 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 find that hype level and different practices. We're going to have another one coming up this week and another one a couple of weeks from now. So, you know, let's be honest, Aaron, when I said the three Ps, there's no way I came up with any of this myself. It's all from reading and gold. Breathing is a good one, though. Breathing is huge. You, I can't tell you how many times I'll, I'll find myself, like, I'm not breathing or I'm not breathing properly. And it's and I guess that would affect you uh, in some regard. So, yeah, this has been rather educational. And uh, this, is, this has been awesome. Now, from a, from a stylish standpoint, I look great with my axis here. And, uh, and I'm, I'm moving. Uh, I feel like I'm moving well. Uh, and, and I feel confident on that part of it. And then I look up and see what uh, Ingool has published on Instagram and these World Junior sets. Wow. Uh, fantastic. Uh, what we're going to see at the World Junior Championship. Yeah, big, big week this week. Obviously, we saw some of the early sets from Bauer. We know all about their digiprint, but uh, big unveil by CCM. They're getting into the printing side of things uh, and unveiling a bunch of new sets for the World Juniors. Let's hope the World Juniors comes off. I see Sweden just lost their goalie yeah. coach today. Um, I shouldn't laugh at that, but obviously COVID, COVID's a serious matter and Sweden's losing their coaching staff and we're already inside the window where they're not supposed to replace guys. So as I was saying to Hutch before we went to air, you know, if they need a, if, you know, Thomas Magnuson, if the Swedish Federation is short a goalie coach and they can't bring one in from Sweden and you want your guys to suck, just fly me out or I could drive to Edmonton from here. I'll really sewer them with some some bad thoughts and you know, I'll have them so far inside their heads, they won't know what goaltending is. <laughs> um, but yeah, they will look good no matter how badly I mess them up because the gear is fresh. Uh, Bauer, CCM, uh, really some interesting trends there in terms of that custom printing and not just what you can do, but the way guys are using it. We saw some Axis sets from Newell Blumkist uh, of, of Finland. Saw a lot of uh, E-Flex 5 sets using the graphics in different ways. And then Bauer... You know, on a bower pad, it's pretty much an, an open canvas. You don't have to worry about knee rolls or anything. It's just whatever you want to put on there, you can. There's been some been some stylish ones. And uh, Dustin Wolf took us behind the scenes with his. Showed us some drills on the ice he was doing in his, his Captain America set. So Ingo Premium members have already seen that. And I expect uh, that that'll just add to the excitement if we get the World Juniors underway. Anybody have a favorite? I love the Captain America, but I also uh, I, I I like the Russian set yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. I, there's and there's uh there's a couple of Swedish Bauer sets too that uh, I'm actually a little negligent. I got to pop them on Instagram here in the next little while. Uh, Jesper Wallstead unveiled one that uh, was unique that I I liked. Um, not everyone did a little different. Um, yeah. There's 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 a time or even an Askarov um with the just you know plain dominant red. I love that he went 
dark, right? Like as much as we're talking about a lot of white sets, like he went dark. So really curious to see, see how this all plays out. And that's a, a, a good ad for, for CCM, right? Uh, with, with the printing, with the graphics that, that we've seen. That's a big step. Yeah, for sure. It's something that they didn't yeah. have available. And if we're honest, one of the reasons, like I, we know this is something they've looked into. Bowers led the way on this. But this is not like something they decided to do last night. Um, this is something that they've been looking at for and talking to us about for for quite some time here, probably four or five years, Hutch, that we started to hear this conversation. You know, the reality was, though, um, there was no point in doing it if your pros and your top goalies couldn't access it. And with all their pro equipment coming out of the factory, uh, the Lefebvre factory, which is now true in Montreal, um, and and you know, not, I don't know if it was a capability or, or an unwillingness to go this route, to go with printing. I don't know if they just didn't have the capacity or weren't willing to go down that path. They didn't want to unveil it when their pros couldn't get it. And that would have been the case there. So, you know, it's not a coincidence that you're finally seeing this come to light now after that split. And that's another thing, interesting thing to, to keep an eye out, um, during, during this world juniors, uh, we saw, uh, Dylan Grand of Hockey Canada. Interestingly enough, he had CCM pads, but uh, true gloves on as they hit the ice again today for the first time in a while. Um, and there are some things he likes and dislikes about both companies in terms of the, where the product is at right now um, with the pads. Uh, so which way does he go? Uh, everybody that that saw our video, Ingle Premium subscribers, saw that Dustin Wolf was in a true AX9 stick. As much as we saw the CCM pads unveiled, uh, when he showed us his on-ice stuff, everyone noticed that it was in a true stick. And sounds like there might be an even newer, previously unheard of stick from True that he might break out during games. So look for that as well. So it's a fascinating time for gear. Just as when the NHL gets back in January, it'll be a fascinating time. To me, it's going to be really interesting to see not just who's in what, but I think this year might even be a transition for some guys because a lot of stuff sort of got caught up in the air and guys got back on the ice late and they didn't want to make switches. Like, I don't think January 13th and this NHL season will be the end point of where guys and what guys end up in. I think you'll see transition when we finally get back to normal in the summer and into next season. I think you'll see guys finally transition into where they ultimately end up. World Junior Hockey Championship, a nice primer for what we are looking forward to in the National Hockey League and the return to play with training camps uh, starting right around the new year and then the date being bandied around right now is January 13th. We might have to do with one of those refreshers about where everybody ended up on the goaltending front uh, after the free agency and then we kind of lost track of that and focused on uh, so many other things. But when, when we do end up back at training camp, People are going to see faces in places that they completely forgot about. Oh, the goalie carousel spun hard this offseason. I, I can't remember. Mm-hmm. What was the date? Like the obscure, was it October 9th was the date yeah, of free agency or October 2nd? Yeah. And then the other thing too is like free agency isn't going to start on July 1st this year. It'll get pushed back again. And that goalie carousel that spun so hard this October 9th free agent day is going to spin hard again because I'm telling you, Expansion. You look at the guys that are coming up for UFA this summer, and it actually makes last summer, and the number of guys on short-term deals, and it actually makes last summer look like pales in comparison. So um, get used to new faces in new places. This is going to be a trend for a couple of years. 
A couple of guys I haven't seen their sets yet. Uh, Braden Holtby, uh, looking forward to what he sports. Uh, have you guys seen anything from him? Oh, and also Cam Talbot and um, Markinen. Markstrom, sorry. And Markstrom. Markstrom, actually, I, uh, I haven't seen. I uh, had heard that he was skating in some trues back in Sweden. Uh, it'd be interesting to see whether he ends up in true or CCM when he gets back to Calgary. Uh, to be honest, don't know. I uh, saw some pictures of um, one of the other accounts, the Goalnet, uh, had some pictures of what looked like Pecorine and CCM Axis. So that'll be that'll be a change as well. Um, you know, there there are going to be we're we're aware there are going to be some big names in some in some different equipment this year. Fascinated to see what the designs look like. Cam Talbot does how custom does he go in his Bauer gear uh, down in Minnesota. Um, I think Holpe, Holpe skated here this week, to be honest with you. And it looked like he had still the same set he finished with last year, at least to this point. But interestingly enough, in a photo that appeared on the internet only briefly at the skate he was in, the back left corner featured Thatcher Demko wearing a set of CCM pads. So I would be shocked to see him switch away from Brian's given what he's told us about that relationship and what it means to him. Uh, that may have just been a, a one-off circumstance, but yeah, Thatcher Demko was wearing CCM this week. So clearly, as guys get back to camp, um, there are going to be a lot of gear sightings, and probably us and others will get worked up about guys in new things. Um, and I guess maybe fairly, once you're in camp, I think it's fair to start making, you know, despite David Riddich wearing three or four different sets in in a short, in the bubble, in a few within a few weeks yeah. in the bubble. You know, once you're into camp in a new set, I think it's probably fair to, to maybe not jump to conclusions, but it's fair to get excited about it. It's not quite like August. Reaction from Canuck fans. No, what, don't change anything. Yeah, it exactly. was working so Thatcher. well. Uh, and, and you know, I, I get in my own way, but uh, UC Markkinen is a name that I always have uh, jumped into my head uh, from the Oilers days and that marvelous run to the 2006 Stanley Cup final. I covered that cup final for USA Today, so very familiar with UC Markkinen. Yeah, I was there uh, when when uh, Rollison got hurt and then Ty Conklin came yeah. in. And here's one little one for the gear, the gear geeks of the world. Um, did you know that when Ty Conklin came in, he actually came in wearing Dwayne Rollison's pads? Because during the playoffs, during that all the back and forth in the playoffs and their little three goalie carousel, Conks had tried Dwayne's gear out and really liked the pads. So when he got thrown in, he was actually on the bench still wearing the pads that he had tried from 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 Rollison earlier in the playoff run. Now it's one of those things that back then nobody really noticed either, but happening to be covering the series and, and be in that locker room, be able to ask it. Yeah. He was actually wearing, he had switched at some point during the playoffs to a set of Dwayne Rollison's old pads. Cause he liked them so much. I had no idea. That's I can't, I'm going to go back and look at the video now and, and, and watch that. That's well, fascinating. It's a beer league story. I borrowed my buddy's gear to see what it looked like. I'm like, yeah. I borrowed my buddy's gear. <laughs> now I'm hoping, I mean, it's 14 years ago. I hope I'm remembering the story. He definitely had them on. And now it'll be interesting to see whether he had them wow. on when he came in in relief or, and still had them on the next yeah. day or not. But I know he had them on during the playoff run. Cause I remember, I distinctly remember the conversation. I love that story. That is amazing. And just goes to show how much, uh, in depth, uh, we can lean on people like uh, Kevin Woodley and David Hutchison on in goal radio, the podcast and in goal magazine and, uh, and how deep the, uh, level of a dedication to your equipment goes and when you find something that you like no matter where it comes from 
you stick with it. And uh, and certainly with uh, Ty Conklin, UC Marketing, and that was a really unique situation, along with Dwayne Rollison, who was acquired late in that year, didn't have the greatest of uh, regular seasons, and stepped in and took them all the way to the Stanley Cup uh, final. Uh, wow. Uh, that's, uh, that's impressive. That's, uh, really, really well done, uh, Kevin Woodley. So January 13th is the, uh, is the date. Uh, we want to make sure that everybody's ready to go. Uh, National Hockey Leaguers, World Juniors, uh, getting ready for their tune-up. And hopefully right around the corner is your opportunity to get back on the ice. And when you do, uh, the first thing you're going to do is step on the ice and you're going to handle a puck. And that is part of our, uh, gear segment this week with the Hockey Shop, thehockeyshop.com and Source for Sports Surrey. Getting a twig in your hand that you like, that you feel good about, that you can handle the puck with and make saves with. Here is Woody at the, what do you call it, the shooting zone? Shooting room. We tolerate players in the basement and goalie utopia every once in a while, but only (laughs) if they go straight to the shooting room. Cam hanging out, uh, working the twigs uh, with both his uh, game stick and might he have a a backup stick or a warm-up stick? Let's find out. The gear segment brought to you by The Hockey Shop, thehockeyshop.com, and source for sports, Surrey. Welcome back to The Hockey Shop, source for sports. We are not, well, we're sort of in goalie utopia, um, but we're actually in the stick room where players, yes, we do allow some of the players from upstairs to come down to goalie utopia or the fringes of goalie utopia and test their stick. But today it's serving as a perfect backdrop for a stick sale. One that, depending on where you live, I don't want to make promises I can't deliver on, it depends on when you watch this as well, You may able, sticks you may be able to still get under the tree for Christmas at a remarkably good price. So first off, don't assume you can get it when you check the hockeyshop.com. Uh, make sure you double check for your area and what the shipping deadlines are. It's going to be a little tight by the time this runs in mid-December or the end of the first week of December. It's a crazy time in the world and shipping companies are having problems as well, keeping up, especially coming off Black Friday. But if you live within a couple provinces, if you live in Vancouver, we've got a great item to go under the tree, that last little second gift. A little tough to disguise it when you wrap it under the tree. I remember talking to a couple of goalies. I think it was Anders Nielsen telling me about one of the sticks he got for Christmas that was like his most memorable Christmas gift, but a little tough for mom and dad to keep that one a secret. We're back here with Cam Matwood in the stick room. Goal Utopia with all the great gears just right around the corner. We're going to talk today about the Premier uh, P2.5, which is a sort of a base model stick, a lower level stick from the E-Flex 4 at the higher end. We've also got some of the Bauer Supreme S27. So again, these are sticks that um, are, they're going to be a little heavier, Cam. They're going to have a little bit of a different composition to them. Yeah. But they're still going to have some of the properties you would expect in a composite stick. Maybe even a little more durable because of, of being heavier and the price point is hard to beat. Yeah, like I'm, let's highlight the price point in particular is probably being the best feature right now. Big sale, big sale. That's correct. Um, in terms of for overall feel and like what you're going to get out of the stick, yes, yeah, you are correct. It is a, like the base model in the line of composite sticks with the the CCM being the premier line, and then um, obviously the supreme line with the Bauer stick. You have um, nice feature of the CCM. Um, it does have stick grip to it as well, so a little bit of grip in terms of its feel wise. Um, 
solid composite stick, nothing too, too exciting to, to really call out in terms of overall other features with it. Um, but that said, if you are looking for that extra practice stick um, or even a game stick, um, again, you can look no further than this uh, CCMP 2.5. On sale right now for $65.95. So I mean, cheaper than we used to be able to get, you know, base model foam cores in, which is kind of where we're at with the composite models. And also you've still got, at least right now, we'll see how long they last, uh, but in this Premier 2, P2.5, you've got some custom colors. Like I'm holding right now a 25 inch paddle carry price in the solid blue. You've got a black there over our shoulder here. We've got a red, I'm just gonna hit cam as I grab it. This is a Crawford curved 25 inch paddle with the red color. So some really nice options there. And then the Bauer S27, Bauer Supreme S27. Uh, it's got the Ergo handle. Yeah, a couple bucks more, $71.95, so under $72. Um, really nice, again, has the grip on the handle. Um, really, you know, again, just a solid base model stick and a really reasonably priced stick, whether you're playing youth hockey or let's be perfectly honest, beer league hockey. Um, this is gonna be a, this is, for a lot of guys, this is a great transition coming out of a foam core and a bit of a heavy, because it's gonna have still lighter than a foam core is ever gonna be, but a, you know, not quite as feather light as some of, the, some of the higher end models. And again, it's gonna have some durability to it. It's got a little bit more beef and still pretty good feel. You called it. Okay, and last one but not least, this is a little higher end stick and folks, there are not many of these left. Um, we're down to kind of half a dozen, I think. But if you get in early, you might have a few left. This is the 2S Pro model, which is the top end stick from just a year ago. Used to retail for 329, on sale right now for 197.95. As you can see, uh, it's got the Ergo spine on the back. Revour sort of leaned out the stick uh, good flex to it, really nice, easy to flex stick, easy to snap shots with, even if you're cam mat with. And again, on sale right now. And if you get in early enough, an opportunity to get this one under the tree uh, for the goalie uh, in your life in time for Christmas. Only 27 inch left for these ones. But you got to be a tall guy. Okay, That's maybe good. not the kid goalie in your life. <laughs> All right, Cam, thanks for bringing us into the hockey shop uh, shooting room allowing us to see your absolute muffin of a shot with the sticks. We really appreciate you being willing to embarrass yourself like that. Awesome. Um, really appreciate that. Definitely anything that went top shelf will not be in the highlight reel. We're only gonna put along the ones that squibbed along the ice. Um, and if you have any other questions about sticks, shipping deadlines, heading into Christmas, make sure you check out thehockeyshop.com. Uh, or Cam, where can they get you in person if they have any of those types of questions? Well, they can get me in person here at the Hockey Shop, or they can give me a call at 604-589-8299. The Hockey Shop, Source for Sports, here in Surrey, British Columbia, the outskirts of Vancouver, or online at thehockeyshop.com. Cam, thanks for having us. Thanks, Cam. Listening, and uh, I got to see the video uh, of you guys uh, in that shooting room. Uh, Kind of got me thinking about uh, goaltenders and handling the puck and a nice little piece on on In Goal Magazine with Marty Berger right now, Hutch. Yeah, well, I mean, really, Woody's the guy on this one. Um, it was the anniversary of Ron Hextall being the first goaltender to score by shooting the puck into the net. And uh, Kevin had an old article on the original site about uh, Marty Berger and the fact that he was inspired by, by Hextall and uh, to become the puck handler that he was and how he changed the game. So I encourage people to uh, to check that one out. and. While we're doing that, if I may, guys, because uh, we were talking about some good Christmas gifts there over at the hockey shop, and uh, I think some of those sticks would make fantastic Christmas gifts. 
uh, please check out InGoal Premium as a gift option as well. Uh, there's a link right there on the homepage if anybody wants to go to InGoalMag.com and you can purchase a, a subscription for your favorite goaltender. Uh, any age or even a goalie parent, quite frankly, would get a lot out of InGoal. And uh, the little form you fill out there gives you a chance to decide what day you want the gift recipient to find out and a little message that you can personalize to them. We will send them sort of a welcome email to InGoal uh, on whatever that day is. And this year we also added in because I know people like to have something to put under the tree, to put into the stocking, whatever. Uh, after you get your subscription, you can download a, a printable gift certificate too with one of your favorite goaltenders on it that you could sort of put into that stocking as a welcome to in goal. And if you don't see the goaltender that, uh, you know, your, your son or daughter or husband or wife, uh, really loves, then, uh, you can send me a little note as well and might even be able to find a photo and personalize one for you. Are we included in the options hutch? Yeah. Uh, look, if somebody wants a Kevin Woodley bailing on the ice gift certificate, I will happily make one of those. And you know what? I might even just make one up now that you opened the door, I do. Woody. I was never going to show these photos, f- but you just opened the door. Stack. I am going to put one up. Now, the only way you can see the gift certificate is if you actually purchase the gift subscription. But I, want, I wonder how many people out there would buy a gift su- subscription just so they can see Woody bailing in the, the one and a half pad stack or whatever it was. You can sign me up. There you go. I might get you a coach. Sure. Listen, listen. It looks like there's a fire in the rink, and he's doing the stop, drop, and roll. <laughs> not, not a two pad stack. Listen, I'm new school. I don't know how. I don't know how to do these old school moves like you guys. But I am happy to make fun of myself if if, if it gets us some more gift subscriptions. Well, the You're one that hasn't to been a seen. guy who has a radio segment sponsored by an erectile dysfunction company called The Morning Wood on local radio. So believe me, showing a picture of me barrel rolling into a two pad stack will not humiliate me. Darren, I don't think you've seen this one, but CCM came out with that new campaign this year all out and they had all these graphics yeah. going around from the different goalies goalie schools they work with and so on and so i remade one of those with kevin and his two pad stack but we renamed it fallout <laughs> so we, we, <laughs> very appropriate yes, yes indeed thankfully are, i'm guys, the guy in I'm control of just... all of this so nobody sees a photo of me attempting to play goal thank heavens I'm just, I'm happy that we took this conversation this way because I thought when we came out of the hockey shop segment talking about the discount sticks and the fact that you could get a composite stick for $65 or $71, I thought for sure we were going straight into rip session on Woody. This is perfect to be your warm-up stick. Oh, look at that. Woody wants to be ripped because he keeps opening the door. Every 30 seconds, he's like, take a shot. We should do a poll on this. We should do a poll on this. Do you, all goaltenders out there that are listening, do you have two game sticks that you take uh, to the rink for practices and games? Or do you have a, a stick that you use as a practice or a warm-up stick and then save the other one uh, strictly for games? Because Woody is of the ilk that he uses the warm-up stick and then switches over to the to the game stick. But I, I know that there's people that do have that philosophy. Uh, but is how how normal is Woody, or is he potentially uh, more mainstream than we? No, is he more mainstream than we? Than he's we give him mainstream and he's weird all at the same time. I think most beer league goalies probably have two sticks of very different vintages because not many of us are going out there to spend two hundred and fifty bucks on a twig or three hundred or whatever it is. 
So probably you've got the older one and probably you've got the fresher one, but nobody's weird enough to be like Woody and use one in the warm up and a different one in the game. And right. of course, none, and none of us practice. I, I, I don't even take I get two. a good one and an older one. The older one goes for warm up because it's 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 at it past its best before date. Stop! I'm gonna I'm gonna have to agree with you teammates. one of these days. Don't don't you keep talking? I'm gonna say that he's right, and that scares me. I find it weird enough that a men's league goaltender takes both their sticks out to the bench because the shots are never hard enough to actually break one. Never mind yeah, switching I don't, I don't a stick uh, after warm up and going. But you know what? I have probably coach in- this too. I hadn't broken a stick in years and I went to a game without a backup stick and it had actually had nothing to do with a shot. I got caught up with a player behind the net, snapped my twig in half and I actually had to go to the goalie at the other end of the ice who I didn't know. Yes. And I had to beg to use his backup stick and thank God that people are nice to us at Ingold and we get the odd stick. stick. He had a backup, but it was brand new. He didn't want to give me his brand new stick, but he did. And then as a result, thankfully, we had a few that people had sent us for testing. So I went and gave him a stick the day afterwards as a thank you. But uh, yeah, you got you got to have that backup. I was really hoping that goalie was a southpaw. Who's who's laughing now, Hutch? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The the stories that that we can tell and uh, and we're just muckers. Nothing compared to Shannon Zabados. So one of the best goaltenders of all time. And dare I say. Uh, a candidate for the Hall of Fame when in due time she does uh, retire from the game. She is our feature interview presented by Sense Arena this week. Yeah, and uh, speaking of Sense Arena, Hutch has a great review up at ingolmag.com. You've heard us talk about it. You've heard some of our guests talk about it. It is virtual reality training for goaltenders. Uh, We've seen investment by professional goaltenders around uh, the NHL and NHL contracted goalies trying it. We've heard from Fukali. We've heard from uh, Antoine Bebo. Uh, we've heard from a bunch of different guys that have used it. Elvis Merzlikens, when we had him on, talked about using it. Billy Ranford and the Kings have involved in, invested in multiple sets. Like this is a legitimate tool. And Hutch took the time and his son Matthew to really dig down through it and provide not just an overview and a review of how it works, but almost a how-to manual of how to get set and what to expect. So I'd really encourage our audience um, to check that out if you're considering Sense Arena as a training option. Uh, We've talked before about the price points involved. Uh, A lot of people look at the subscription and be like, ah, it's kind of, it's a lot for a year, but think about it. Um, You can basically go and play goal in a live in your living room, provided you make enough space not to bang your hand on a blocker save into the wall, as we saw Ben Bounds uh, of the uh, English uh, Elite League over there uh, demonstrate on Instagram this week with a couple of bleeped out words after he did it. Um, like you can basically play goal wherever and whenever, and really get some some training that pays dividends once you get back on the ice. So think about what the value of that would be to you what you would pay for ice time, what you would pay for coaching, and what it would mean to you to be able to access that at any point. That's what you get with Sense Arena. And so for anybody who's interested, who wants to check it out, I really encourage you go over to ingolmag.com and read the overview that hutches that on Sense Arena. And like all our equipment reviews and overviews, um, it's unlocked. You don't have to be a premium member. That's the one thing we share with the public at large is all our reviews. So uh, we'd love you to subscribe to Ingo Premium. We'd love you to buy a gift subscription to Ingo Premium. 
but you don't have to to read this one and really get a breakdown of all the things that Sense Arena can do for you uh, as a training tool for goaltenders. It's a pretty neat time to be a goalie. Hutch, you couldn't have said that any better had you written it and you wrote the review. <laughs> well, and and how do you follow up on a Woody on a Woody chat about something? <laughs> I, I think my review was sort of Woody esque, though, you know, because. Woody writes most of the reviews over at Ingle and he goes so deep into a pad that has, you know, let's face it, limited changes. You know, there's going to be a few features that change generation to generation, but Woody still tur- turns it into to the, the most impressive deep dive of a review by going feature by feature through a pad. So I thought, well, I'm going to take the Woody formula and build it out for Sense Arena. But of course, nobody's ever seen anything like this before. So you've got a lot to talk about. And so it became a very Woody-esque uh, conversation of over 7,000 words trying to describe what Sense Arena is, uh, what it does. And, and then we had some suggestions for them and really pleased to get a note back from, from Bob, the, the founder of uh, Sense Arena, um, just thanking us for being as open and honest as we were in the, in the review and for all the different suggestions, which I have since added a few more as we keep diving in on. And, and he said they've uh, taken a number of those and put them into the the plan for the next evolution. And, and I would add that to what Woody said in terms of uh, the subscription. This is subscription-based software, as so much software is these days. And uh, one of the things that you get from that is that as they update the software, you're going to get the newest version. It's just sort of part of the process. And uh, and so Bob has taken a number of our suggestions of things that we think they can do to to enhance the product. And, and they'll be enhancing the next generation. And, you know, great as it is today, but it's a, an absolute blank slate in terms of the things that you could do. You can do some things with this uh, going forward that you would never imagine doing on the ice. So it's really exciting uh, where it is and now and where it's Bill going. Ran- yeah, and then we heard that exact same thing from Bill Ranford too, right? Like as impressed as he is where, with where it is now, he can't believe how far it's come. And that was in the review from when he first got involved earlier in the summer in terms of, you know, at that point, uh, your block and your glove behaved the same way in terms of pucks bouncing off it. Now, you ca- not only do you catch that puck in your glove, but you can flip it onto your blocker, balance it on your blocker, and then toss it aside yeah. or t- we, you know, we, to the imaginary referee. And now you can do it with a stick, too. Um, the, that would be an interesting question, guys. Maybe you think about this, or maybe some of the listeners think about it and give it back to us. But if you could do something that would be enhanced by technology in a practice, how would you change things? And the sky's the limit. So one of the things I said to Bob was, I would love it if we could just hit a button and see that identical play again. Because, you know, if you make a mistake in practice, the coach can say, well, you should have done this and the player can try the same thing. Right. But you never see the same puck again. You never see the same read again. Um, imagine if you could do it again and again and again until you try and figure it out. So that was one of the things for me. But uh, I'd love to know what other people think they might enhance with technology if they could. Uh, goaltending uh, whenever and wherever you are. Well, that kind of describes Shannon Zabados. Uh, She has played with men and women. She has traveled the world. She has enjoyed success at every single level. Yet, in our feature interview with Shannon, uh, three-time Olympian, Olympic and world champion, we discovered that there's an unknown stage that she has skated on. And you won't believe what it is. Here is author, athlete, and mother, Shannon Zabados, the feature interview on Ingoal Radio, the podcast. Brought to you by Sense Arena. 
Well, there's so much to get to, Shannon, but let's start uh, at the present day and work our way back. Uh, how's the baby? She's awesome. She's just over three months, and uh, I'm sure as any parent can attest to, it's it's been incredible just to, even in those sh short three months, just to see how much she's grown and learning every day, and uh, it's pretty awesome. Did you ever think you could love something that much? No, never, and you hear it all the time, yeah. parents that and then you never really can feel it until you have that little that little nugget in your arms is that your pet name nugget <laughs> she's my little <laughs> nugget she has lots of little pet names <laughs> so what uh, did you plan on on having the baby around this time period yeah um i think after the olympics uh in 2018 um knew i wasn't quite done playing and uh, opportunity came up in Buffalo, so um, played a season there. And then when things kind of unfolded with the PWHPA, um, us kind of forming our own players association, um, there were no teams really around me um, where I'm currently living in Ohio. So I thought it would be a good opportunity. It was still by the time she was born, an hour or a year and a half away from next Olympics. Um, so I figured it was pretty good timing. I mean, I'm 34 and ideal world I'd like to have two so I, I don't know if mother time was on my side to wait until the next Olympics to have two so um yeah so yeah we uh thought it was good timing I want to know where you found the time amidst all those things to become an author but not just an author I was gonna say an author an author an artist and a publisher <laughs> you did well, this whole thing with everybody loves to play this is all you stop start to finish yeah, start to finish, I did the whole thing myself. Um, but surprisingly, I had a lot of time, as a lot of people did, because everything was shut down. And I was, I don't know what I would have been at the time, like six months pregnant, at least. And so I had time on my hands. And I'm like, well, instead of just sitting around doing nothing, I might as well put some put it to good use and kind of just started as a little uh, pet project and um, had no idea where it was going to go, but it turned out much better than I thought it would. So I got really into it. But yeah, like I said, what what else was I going to do? I couldn't go skating. I couldn't. It's not like you could even go to the mall or anything. So I had to do something to to kind of, you know, as an athlete, you're just itching to do something. So, um, yeah, that was kind of my outlet. A couple of questions about the book. How do you decide on bunny, the bunny? Um, there's a couple things. Um, one part of the reason I did it is I, I like painting and I had put up um, a painting that I did for my daughter's room while I was pregnant and it was of a bunny and somebody had actually commented on it when are you going to release a children's book um, so the bunny got me thinking and then um, it was kind of a, so the book's called um, every bunny loves to play kind of a pun for everybody so it kind of just went from there. And then I also like the bunny because I could make it gender neutral, race neutral. You know, it didn't have certain abilities or disabilities and kind of just something that everyone could relate to. And is it biographical at all? Like, is it, do you draw on any experiences with this or is it just totally? Yeah, you know what? It started out, like I said, just kind of as a fun project and it kind of evolved into like a little mini me as a bunny and some of my experiences. So um, my parent, one of the pages I drew my parents' house that I lived in, um, in Edmonton, Alberta. They still live there over 30 years. Um, some in of Fort my Sask? Is that in Fort Sask? Right in Edmonton. I know okay. everyone thinks 
I'm from Fort Sasker, Shrew Park. I played yeah. there, okay. but I'm from right in Edmonton. Um, I Some of my pets are in there. Um, I'm sure anyone that follows me on social media knows Jackson, my Rottweiler. Yeah. He's in there and, uh, you know, some mountains for Alberta. And yeah, so it's a, it's a, for me, it was, like I said, kind of a personal project that evolved along the way. Now, this just launched. What's been the feedback so far? You know, it's been really fun because, um, you know, drawing is is has been like a hobby of mine, but not something that I've ever really done publicly or shown anyone. It's just kind of when I'm bored in my spare time or in the summer on a hot day, go outside, draw, paint. Um, so a lot of people were surprised. And I actually I didn't tell anyone I was doing it because. When I started, I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, like you said, I did the the writing, the illustrating, the editing, the formatting, the publishing. Uh, so I had to research it all, and I it was either going to be an absolute disaster or turn out okay. And it, and luckily it turned out okay. But uh, but the the reaction has been overwhelming because, like I said, not a lot of people knew that I enjoyed something like this. So um, I think at least. 50% of everyone that I've ever played with has has sent me uh, pictures or messages that they've bought the book, whether it's for themselves or their kids or just just to buy it. So it's been uh, pretty incredible to see. Uh, definitely a little overwhelming. Well, I can't wait to see your next mask or your kit because there's got to be a bunny <laughs> on there somewhere. I know. And the the little bunny, I, I will say, has has a little mini me flair to it with the equipment and stuff. Obviously I had to, to throw in a little bunny goalie here and there. So uh, I was, I'm hoping that my goalie union likes the setup. I <laughs> Where are you uh, right now with your plans to play? Uh, uh, about as far as we are in where the world is today. Really? Uh, I mean, there's so many unknowns right now. Um, I don't even know if a lot of the rinks are open right now. So um, for me, like I said, um, my plan was to kind of have my daughter far enough, far enough out that if I wanted to get back in shape and get back on the ice and try to compete for a spot again in the next Olympics that I was able to do so. And, um, you know, I've been pretty fortunate that everything went well and been getting back in shape and um, obviously only three months out so still need a little time uh but hopefully by summer I have a decision or um I don't know we'll see kind of where the world even is at that point when was it like I was gonna probably like the rest of us you haven't been on the ice in a long time what do you we talk a lot about shared passions here whether it's from peewee to pro the things that make goalies sort of we all break that common bond what do you miss about it right now <sighs> everything <laughs> You know what I absolutely love, and I think this will probably sound weird to a lot of people, but every hockey player can probably relate, is just like stepping out onto the ice and the smell and the feel of the rink. Um, I think that's one of the biggest things. Like I could just go out and I've done it many, many times. When I moved to Ohio, there was, like I said, there's no real, like there's no teams or competitive women's teams around. Um, so I would just go to like drop in shinny and if somebody was on the ice I'd skate with them and if it was just me I'd just wheel around in my equipment so um honestly I just I miss everything about hockey I think we all do uh I miss watching hockey um but yeah I, I think just being on the ice and obviously miss being around your your teammates and being in the locker room as well there's something therapeutic about being the first person on the ice in an empty arena isn't there yeah 
Yeah, it's awesome. I, I love it. There's, like I said, even as a goalie, I know, I know players go out and shoot around all the time. As a goalie, there's not much you can do when you're by yourself, but I still absolutely love it. Just, just having the ice to yourself. So you went to pick up skates and, and just kind of. Yeah, all the time uh, before the last Olympics. And then like this right after the Olympics, I moved to Ohio. And like I said, there was no teams around there. A, a lot of them like national team girls um, have kind of training hubs. So a lot of them are either in Montreal or Toronto or Calgary area. So they train together all summer, but I was kind of in no man's land. So I would just literally go to pick up hockey. And um, I'm sure you guys know that a lot, most ranks it's free for goalies. So I would just go out there and wheel around. And then if there were players out there, I'd get them shoot on me or join in the shinny. And yeah, it was fun. What's that reaction like though? Like, Hey, we're, um, going, we're going out to skate for a little shinny in Ohio. I know there's one of the greatest goaltenders of all time at the other end. What's going on? Yeah, you know what? It was really funny because I'd go out there and obviously my ponytail would be sticking out the back and I'd just skate around and then the players would be like, hey, can we shoot on you? And I'd be like, yeah, okay. And then within five minutes, they're like, okay, where are you from? Like, who are you? Why? <laughs> I tell them or once in a while you get the odd person that would be like hey aren't you the goalie for Canada like what the heck are you doing down here so yeah it was, it was, the, the reaction part was almost just as fun to get out there how would you train in the sense of, of making sure that your game was where you wanted it to be um well I'm also fortunate my husband is a fro former professional player so uh he played in the American League for Syracuse for a while and played in the East Coast for a while. So I had a, a personal uh, shooter with me. So anytime that I really needed to sharpen up, I'd, I'd make him lace up with me and <laughs> do some goalie sessions. Okay, so not to make this too much instructional, Shannon, but there's probably a whole bunch of parents and kids, especially right now when ice time is hard to come by in a lot of places or you're not able to do, there's not a lot of games. It's all just sort of, you know, like you said, training sessions, sometimes in smaller groups in that spot to get ready with just a shooter. What are you working on? What's your focus, especially after a long time off? There's probably some advice there that a lot of kids could hear right now that's going to help them a month from now. Yeah. Um, well, I think as I kind of grew in my career, I, I realized how important practices were. And I know, you know, when I was a kid and it's still the case, like you should go out there and have fun. That should be the number one thing. But as I got older, I kind of realized the importance of how serious um, training should be in practice and, and how that's where you're going to get better. You're not all of a sudden going to step into a game and um, pick up skills that you've never worked on before. So I think um, I quite honestly would, would way rather, no offense to the coaches out there, but practices are not goalie friendly. Even at, the, like, even at high levels, there's not a lot of goalie friendly I mean, you'll get it here or there, but I would way, way, way rather do a small group session or like I said, when I just have my husband shooting on me, because then I could work on what I needed to work on. And I think that's the biggest thing for kids, too, is to not work on what you're good at, but work on what you're not good at. And I know we all like to feel good and, you know, make the big glove save and work on whatever we're good at. But I think for me, as I got older, I wanted to work on things that I wasn't good at or that needed work. And then the biggest thing for me was tracking the puck. Um, as long as I was tracking the puck well, and a, a lot of that comes from the shooters and making sure the shooters are 
you know, they're not out there just for a joy skate, but they're actually getting something out of it as well. And I think that's a big thing too. I know when, when we're in Ohio, I run a lot of goalie sessions for kids and um, we get players to come out because it's a good opportunity for them as well. So um, just making sure that everyone's having a good time and, and working hard and making the most out of every ice session. I think like pretty much every goaltender at every level, when you said that was like, preach, preach, because we, we, we know the practice is bad for bad a lot of the times. <laughs> yeah, the goalie, I don't think uh, the goalies are at the forefront of coaches' minds when they drop a practice plan sometimes. Hey, on tracking the puck, can you tell when you get on the ice pregame warm-up or a game that you're, that you are tracking it or you're having trouble and how do you how yeah. do you get your mind or your body or your focus into that yeah 100 percent. and and one of the biggest things that i've seen over time and um i like to kind of correlate it to because again not a lot of people that are outside the goaltending world kind of realize how important tracking the puck is and and for me it's it's warm-up so i kind of use the metaphor like if you were playing ping pong and you haven't done any warming up you just hop in there and you're about to play somebody that's already played five games and they're warmed up and all of a sudden they're smashing balls at you like how good are you going to be at returning them i i i don't play a ton of ping pong but i've been there and it's like you're overwhelmed like you, you can't get your paddle on anything so um yeah i can tell right away and i think a, a lot of that you can do and start off the ice um whether it's using tennis balls or any sort of tracking devices. Um, visualization is a big one for me, um, just so that when I do get on the ice, um, I'm ready to go. What do you visualize? I'm curious what, what you're seeing. Um, a lot of it I, I pull from past experiences, whether it's games or practices, things that went well, um, like save executions, keeping things simple, um, visualizing plays in my head. So like a rush coming in a two-on-one, how I would play it, uh, a penalty kill, um, kind of things like that. Just making sure that it's all positive. 100% of it is, um, perfectly played out. So whether that's again, kind of envisioning a situation or kind of reliving one. We hear that a lot visualization. That's interesting. Cause I, I do think a lot of kids hear it too, a mental rehearsal visualization, but they're not sure how to do it. So you like, just give us a picture. Like you're in the locker room, eyes closed. Are you like, for example, if you're envisioning a play on a two and one, are you like eyes closed and, and your body sort of following that tracking or is it just all in your head? Um, I think it depends. I, I've seen a lot of both. Um, like my goalie partner, Genevieve Lacasse is the kind where she'll be, tracking it like with her body movements um i'm more of like just the chill calm i like to think i'm a normal goalie not <laughs> not that lacasse isn't but she isn't uh but yeah so for me it's it's kind of eyes closed sometimes head down or 99 percent of the time my visualization is out in the hallway there's a lot going on in the dressing room you know there's music people talking goofing around throwing things um, which can be distracting. So for me, I'm always dressed a little bit early and out in the hallway. Which teammate is most likely to interrupt your visualization? Um, Just walk in on you. <laughs> probably Lacasse. Uh, <laughs> or I don't know. They're, off the top of my head, I, there's too many of them because, like I said, I don't think players fully understand or appreciate the, the goalie warm-up. And I say that, I but... I think it's gotten better over the years where players are like, okay, let's just like the goalie's doing their thing. 
let's leave them be <laughs> They're. I'm not going to say they're the most important player on the team, but let's, uh, I think everyone just is like, okay, let, let our goalies do their thing. So usually they're pretty good about it. We can say it. We'll say it. It's okay. <laughs> it's all right. Most important player, hands down. So I, I got to ask, like, not to jump all over the timeline here, but what made you fall in love with the position in the first place? How'd you get started as a goalie? Um, I started playing hockey when I was five, around there. Um, grew up in Edmonton. Um, so obviously huge Oilers fans in our household. And I think the entire city is, and, um, just grew up watching it, uh, with my parents. And so one day I asked them if I could play and I just played on like our local community team. And at that age, um, I don't know if they still do this. I I would assume they do. And I would hope they do, um, just kind of rotate goalies each game. Um, I think at that time, like you basically just like give the kid a goalie stick and they're in their player equipment. Yeah. But um, as I, as I got a little bit older, same thing, we'd rotate. And my dad was actually uh, coached a lot, was involved a lot and no one ever wanted to go in net. Um, so he'd be like, Hey, do you want to go in net again? And um, I, for whatever reason, just, I absolutely loved it. So I loved when people would give up their turn and I'd get to go in. And then I think by the time I was seven or eight, I was full time in there. So who is the goalie of your childhood that you looked up to that kind of got you stoked? Oh, easy. Um, cause he's the reason the, from the first, I think the first year that I was first time, um, or full-time goalie, I went to his goalie school every year for years and years and years until I ended up teaching there. And that's Bill Ranford. So obviously huge Oilers fans back in the day and, um, his, him and his dad and, uh, they would run a goalie school out in Sylvan Lake, just a couple hours down the road. So my parents yeah. would take me every, every summer. That was the only goalie camp I ever went to. And obviously he was a huge inspiration to me and still is. Um, I, I don't know if you guys have ever met him, but anyone that ever has, I'm sure has the same words to say, just class act. Yeah, he's be, he's been good to us over the years as well as kind of, we, we tag him a friend of in goal, right, Darren? Um, done some yeah. webinars, he, helped us with kids, like just a uh, fantastic human being as well as a hell of a goalie and goalie coach. Yeah, And his yeah. thirst for knowledge is, even during this pandemic, has been extraordinary where he's like going out to, you going out to pick up skates, he's joined different webinars, just sat in the background to learn about gear and different things. So he's on top of it. It's, it's quite remarkable. Yeah, it's awesome to see because I, I remember um, ran into him years ago and I remember just like kind of asking, you know, because a lot of the goalie coaches these days are former players, but the game has changed so much. So it's like, well, you're teaching a completely different style than you played. So I can totally see how he would be that kind of guy to kind of get in there and get the knowledge. Cause obviously his style was completely different than the way the goalies play nowadays. You could, you could throw out a pad stack pretty good. I threw out a pad stack in the last Olympics. Yeah. Uh, I don't know where it came from. It was like a pass across and it was like a, a poke sliding poke check pad stack. And I learned those, those skate saves we learned at uh, Ranford's goalie school, all the, all the good ones. So I have them in the repertoire. <laughs> uh, there, pull them out if need be, but. Yeah. Every once in a while, you got to go old school. And actually speaking of being like, as, as you, when you transition or when, when you make the de- decision to, to play again, you, you're going to have to hit Bill up again because 
if you don't have shooters, once again, he's on the forefront of the next big thing, which is he's, he's been a big part of this uh, Sense Arena virtual reality company. So now we don't even need ice to learn how to play a goal or to practice playing goal. And not a surprise that Bill's at the forefront of it. Yeah, that it's it's crazy. The, the tools that um, they're developing these days. It's really cool to see. So, Shannon, when did you realize that you were kind of good at this thing? Um, that's such a, I don't know. That's a hard question to answer because I think the entire, t every year I've played from the time I was five years old until right now is I just play for fun and I just go out there and have fun. And that's mm -hmm. kind of all you really see. So it's kind of an awkward, weird question for me to answer, but I've just, I've always had that passion and drive to play and be, you know, at my best. So I don't know. I think I've always kind of had that same mentality since I was five years old. And I've always, you know, my parents would laugh and they'd say, you know, other kids would be on the ice waving at their parents or doing snow angels. And I'd be like laser focused on the puck. So, um, I, yeah, I don't know. I think just from day one, I've always kind of had that drive. And is that like, looking back at it, we've, we've had this conversation with Marc-Andre Fleury about the fun being important to success, like being able to maintain that mindset whether it's, you know, through all the opportunities in the different places you played growing up or on an Olympic stage with the whole world watching, like, does that fuel into your ability to perform in the toughest moments, the, that mindset? Yeah, absolutely. I think so. I think, um, I think you have to really love the game to, to excel at it because otherwise I don't think you have the drive to get better, to work hard, to, you know, go through the ups and downs. And so, yeah, I, I definitely think that plays into it. And, um, yeah, I mean, what more fun would there be than playing in an Olympic gold medal game or in a Stanley cup game? Or, um, you know, it's, I think those are the players that excel in those situations or the ones that are out there having fun. What is your favorite part about the modern game? Uh, some of the save selections, some of the approaches, uh, whether it's, uh, RVH or, or puck tracking or post play and all that, uh, technical uh, stuff you know what i i've really enjoyed and really come to realize and appreciate in today's game is the simple saves and i think unless you're kind of in the goaltending world you know you're you ooh and ah at the big diving saves or the big glove saves and and to me i kind of look at those and other goalies will look at those and say well those saves happen because you did something wrong so i think for me as i've as i've grown and learned a, a lot more about the game it's it's the in position, easy glove save or easy chest save um, because they did 10 things right before it that led to that save. I think that's what it's probably a super dorky answer, but um, that's what's fun for me to see these days. So are you technical? Am I technical? Yeah. Um, Would you classify yourself as that? Because I look at you and see a lot of just pure athletic ability, too. Yeah, I'm, I think I'm a little mixture of both. I, I, I'm a little mixture, I think, and this is in no comparison other than styles. I, I think I'm a little bit of Billy Ranford and Carey Price mixed. Um, not quite as skilled as either one of them, but style-wise, like I said, I think I can, I have the old school in my repertoire where um, the goalies kind of made some crazy wild uh, saves, but at the same time, um, especially playing men's hockey where I had to kind of rely more on being in position. Otherwise I'd get burned. Now, it's funny. You mentioned like those, we know where the Billy Ranford influence comes in. Who are some of the other people that influence that other side as 
I, you know, as you got older and your game evolved, as the game evolved, who were some of the voices that helped you put different pieces in place, whether it's with the Olympic team or privately or any of the men's teams you were on? Um, you know, who was a big help? And I, you know what, I quite honestly, um, looking back, I had no real, I had no goaltending coaching at all, really, other than Bill Ranford when I was like uh, 10 years old. Um, but up until like college or the national team, I had no training. Uh, but when I was playing college in Edmonton at Nate on the men's team, uh, Dustin Schwartz was my goalie coach. And he was a huge help, huge, huge help um, goalie coach for the Edmonton Oilers now. And uh, he kind of brought that new school game into my game and, and taught me a lot of things. And um, yeah, he's, I don't know if you guys have had a chance to sit down with him at all, but he's super fun too. He was a, um, I think teacher by, by nature. And so the science behind everything and all that, he, he's into all that. So he, um, he's, I guess in new school era was a huge help to my game. Do you remember anything that he, he brought to your game? Like initially where you started working with him that, that you guys really had to hone in? Yeah, so this was years ago, and it's kind of common practice now, but I think the head trajectory um, so and tracking, like the tracking and head trajectory that um, that he helped me with was huge because at the time I was, it was, and it's sad to say in college, but I was still kind of raw talent and, and not real refined. Um, don't think I'll ever, I ever will be, but, uh, he definitely helped, um, with that and kind of just zoning in on the puck and, you know, where my head should be and eyes should be and, and, um, things like that. Yeah. He was a huge help. What, uh, what's, so it's, it is interesting to me. What, as you get though, that voice later on, you, you relied on instinct for so long and you probably had to learn how to read the game and make your own, like, where do you see, do you wish you had coaching earlier? Because we, we're always looking for that balance, right? Like now kids have co goalie coaches at eight and nine, and there's probably some benefit to having had to figure this out on your own for so long. Yeah, a hundred percent. I, I, I think you're right. There's, there's a fine line and a good balance between it. I think, um, had I had some coaching earlier, it probably would have helped, um, develop me a little faster, but um, at the same time, you know, you just, I, I just keep, I keep coming back to it, but for me, it was just about going out and having fun and competing at my hardest. And, um, and then obviously I would go back and watch whatever video I could get my hands on or, you know, kind of replay things in my head by myself. Um, but yeah, the, I think it would, the balance, um, you're right. I think today there's a little bit of overkill on especially when kids are, like you said, nine, 10 years old, like they don't need somebody in their ear all the time because they think that kind of gets in their head as well. So um, yeah, there, there's definitely needs to be a little bit of balance there. If you get the ice for 15 minutes alone, what do you do with that 15 minutes? Ooh, um, skate around, stretch, do some movement, uh, shoot some pucks, bar down. Yeah. Um, just mess around and have fun. I love, I love that. It. I love it. The shoot. I love the shooting that you had to include the shooting there too. We can't just always, it can't like crease movements, big. We can't, you can't just stay in the crease all the time. You got to be no. able to go bar down. That's part of the no, fun. I, and I think, I think this is like common between goalies, but like when I retire, I'm going to be a forward. Like they get <laughs> all the glory. It's so much fun. And I always like, I always 
in warm up and stuff, I'll have my players feed me one timer so I can take slap shots. Like it's just like you need to like get out of your own little bubble and just like be involved in everything. And I think and I think that's what's missing from from goaltending a little bit these days, especially in kids when they're younger. Is like it's just goaltending, goaltending, goaltending. And it's like I think that what helped me along the way is playing baseball, playing volleyball, basketball, like developing all these different skill sets that helped me be a better goalie. Well, Cooge is a great defenseman and Eddie Belfort refuses to play goal, even in yeah. those hall of fame games uh, that they go out for. He's like, I'm not playing goal anymore. I'm done with that. I'm, I, I'm a forward. I don't doubt it. It's yeah, it's uh, it's fun. It's, it's a different part of the game. It's actually a pretty short list of, of, guys that retire or people that retire goalies that retire and still want to play the position like really short list. So there's, that's, that's, there's definitely something there. And Schwartz, as you mentioned, he likes to go bar down all the time. Tells us he's got the best shot of any NHL goalie coach. He had, he missed his calling. I don't know if you <laughs> watched him in practices. Okay. Not granted, not the world's best skater, but he's got a pair of mitts on him. Yeah, we've said we've 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 had the pleasure of being on the ice and watch him tickle the twine behind goaltenders trying out for like national teams, and he's just going bar down right over the shoulder on him. And, and he'll let you know too. <laughs> that, that's um, part of the fun. What? So we we do have an unknown, but we do have an Olympics coming up. Uh, when do you make that decision, and where are you? Is it? 70 30 is it 50 50 uh and and how do you get back to training um those are all great questions (laughs) (laughs) um i don't know if i could put a number on it um obviously team canada has been very patient and been in communication and um yeah i don't know as far as training i don't know like things need to open up here but obviously um pretty fortunate like i said um my husband's a shooter, so whenever we find some ice and can get on the ice, um, things aren't completely closed up in Ohio, so uh, we could do some one-on-one sessions, and and uh, we're pretty fortunate. We have a nice little setup in our in our basement um, as far as a gym. So I mean, I've been kind of on track, um, and I wanted to, regardless, um, get back in in shape to play just to get in the shape after you know, having a child, it's, it's hard on the body. And so that was kind of my goal, whether I was going to play or not was to, to get back into my playing shape. So, um, we'll kind of see when the time comes and I'm assuming by spring or summer, um, there'll have to be some hard decisions, but yeah, we'll see. I mean, I'm getting up there in age, but, um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. When were you most nervous? Oh, that's easy question. Uh, definitely the most nervous I have ever been in my entire life was the Vancouver 2010 gold medal game. Um, my first Olympics and uh, my goalie partners were Kim St. Pierre, uh, recently inducted into the Hockey <laughs> Hall, and Charlene Levante. And I was the young kid on the team, um, started out obviously as our third string goalie because I was, you know, the new kid and coming in between behind those two was pretty intimidating and then ended up earning the number one job. So I think that alone uh, was a lot of pressure. And then playing on home ice in an Olympic gold medal game was, was pretty wild. So I don't think anything will ever top that. How did they help you? Sorry, Darren, I was gonna say, what, what role did they, like, how was there 
Did they help you through that process? Could they tell you were nervous? Because as somebody who covered those games, I can tell you we couldn't tell there were any nerves there watching you play. But did they know? Did they help you through that in any way? Um, I mean, I'm sure they knew. Um, but they were great all year. Um, just being able to play behind players like that. Um, the professionalism that they carried. Obviously, uh, you know, watching Kim St. Pierre in, in uh, Salt Lake and, you know, every time she stepped on the ice was um, pretty incredible. So I think just being able to watch and learn from them and, like I said, their professionalism both on and off the ice. Um, obviously, when the, the time came, they kind of, you know, gave me my space and were super supportive, um, which is all I think I really needed at that time. So compare the nerves in 2010 to the other Olympics that you've played in and like not even close. And was that just going through it or did you learn how to just better prepare yourself for that? I think it was a lot of both. I think the Vancouver was a lot of things piled into one, um, one being so young two it being my first Olympics being so young and, and having it in Canada with all our friends and family with, I think there was like 18,000 full to the brim in the arena. And I can't even remember how many millions that watched at home. And I remember just like literally feeling the weight of the country on me and being like, you cannot mess this up. Like, this is your one shot. Like it's one game. Do not mess this up. Um, and I think as a goalie, I think, I mean, obviously the, the best goalies play better under pressure and I think the more nervous I am, the better I play. So it luckily turned out well, but I think, I think I learned a lot from it. Um, I was also painfully, painfully, painfully shy before that um, until that Olympics. And then kind of after that, I was kind of like forced into, you know, whether it was doing interviews or going to schools and doing a lot more in the community and just more interacting. So I think I, I learned how to handle things better um moving forward and into the next couple olympics and i knew what to expect so it wasn't i mean obviously i was nervous and it's an olympic gold medal game but um yeah nothing will ever come close to that i okay that's the one thing that i've learned the most here i didn't know you were painfully shy i never thought of you as shy painfully like painfully you could not get words out of me we do like team events and i'd be the one like sitting in the corner because i was too scared to like start up a conversation and yeah, it was like, I was, I was, I was really shy. Any, like, there are others listening to this and they're going to, they won't believe it. And they'll also be like, they'll want to know, like, how'd you get past it? Like you said, you were sort of forced out of it, but like, yeah. is there advice there to that others that are hearing this and going, I relate that you can give to them? Um, yeah, I mean, for me, it was, it was like forced because like I said, I, I was kind of like thrust into it after Vancouver. Um, but I think it made me grow as a person and I've become way more confident. Like public speaking before that was like, no way I would, I would do anything to try to get out of it or like give it to someone else. Or it was just like, it was my nightmare. And now like I jump on those opportunities, um, for many reasons. One, I mean, it's provided me so many opportunities to travel, to meet new people, um, so yeah, I'm I'm very grateful for the opportunities and and what it's led to. Um, but yeah, I was it was I was so shy before. There's a lot that's changed in, in t it's it's ten years now since then. 
beyond the shyness, the games changed too, and opportunities for women. For you, was always playing against the boys. Looking back at that compared to how some of those opportunities would be different now, like, do you wish you had the same opportunities that with more women's teams now, or were there things that, that came from playing against them? And even not just as a kid growing up, but right into coming out of college and, and playing pro in the SPHL versus some of the opportunities that might be there now. How do you, how do you reflect back on that time and what you went through versus opportunities that are there now and, and how they hopefully are growing? Um, yeah, obviously things are, I mean, we're nowhere near where we need to be or where we should be, but, um, hopefully we're, we're on our path there. Um, but yeah, it was, I mean, for me, looking back, I feel like I was so ignorant to everything that I was just like a kid out there having fun. And it didn't really like click to me that I was a girl on a team full of boys and that I didn't really have an opportunity to do anything else. It was just, I was just going out there and having fun and you know trying to play at the highest level I could um and it was it was tough um but again I think we have a long ways to go but I think I also had a lot of opportunities um to go and learn and I think it made me a better person in the end um but I'd be lying if I said I hope that when my daughter's old enough she has a real true professional women's league to play in where she can, you know, make a decent living and be a full-time athlete. So you're seeing some of the sets uh, roll out these days. Does it get you kind of itching to to do your own thing? Because we can do so much with the equipment now, with the designs and printing and different uh, presentations. It's wild. Yeah, I saw the World Junior stuff just the other day and it's yeah it's crazy what they can do that I think the old school in me still like wants like a little bit of balance like some of them are so wild that it just look, looks like somebody threw up on pads uh so there's definitely a balance but it's pretty cool the like, technology has come so far okay hold on before the gear you said when your daughter so that was one of my questions does Shailen get to play goal because not every goalie wants their child to be a goaltender I personally why wouldn't you? But you've seen some oh. of the anguish that can come with the position. So is it is it the love or is it the anguish? Does she get to play goal or what? So I always joke that I hope she never plays goal and not for her, but for me. Yeah. Um, obviously, she she can do whatever she wants. If she wants to be a goalie, I will be all in helping her and will be there every step of the way. Um, her dad was a, a stay at home defenseman so I think on on my heart uh and my sanity that would be a better choice I I saw what my parents went through and my parents no joke were were way more nervous than I was for any game like both of them said they almost threw up before the game in Vancouver because they were so nervous um and I've seen like video of them during games and it's like they're pale like it's not I don't want to go I think I would be a ball of nerves. So I would be okay if she chose a different position or, you know, maybe she chooses a different sport. Whatever she wants to do, I will back it. But I would not be mad if she was not a goalie. Did you get it when your parents were, when you saw your parents nervous or is it one of the things that came from being a mom? Um, No, I I got it as I was, as I got older and I saw video of it and I saw (laughs) they would tell me afterwards um but I 
but I also remember them like, well, this is years later, they would tell me even when I was younger, like the goalie parents, either, either the rest of the parents, they love you or they hate you depending on how your kid played. Yep. So I don't really want to go through that either. <laughs> so, well, we'll see how it goes. Um, Warrior sent her a cute little pair of pink uh, player gloves. So oh. hopefully that's, hopefully that's a sign of things to come, but no, we'll see. I, I would, I'll, if she's a goalie, I would be so happy that she followed in her mom's footsteps. But like I said, my, for my, uh, for my health, maybe <laughs> better defenseman like her dad, but we'll see. Well, I was going to say, at least the options, I mean, if it's, you know, stay at home defenseman is pretty much a goaltender's best friend anyways. Right. Yeah. We, yeah. We, we, we pretty much got everything covered if whatever she chooses. So um, yeah, with our luck, she'll be a centerman or something. This has been uh, spectacular. Uh, really appreciate you, you joining us uh, for this on In Gold Radio, the podcast. And we wish you nothing but the greatest of success. And the two things that uh, that I want people to know is the the big ponytail is still there. That that uh, that will never leave, right? No, this will never. I think everyone in my everyone that I know would kill me if I cut any of it. So it'll never it'll never leave. And you've got a toque on for the interview. Yeah, that's this is my mom hair with still have the flow. Uh, are, is it more hectic than you thought it was going to be being a mom? Um, yes and no. She so I didn't know this until she was five weeks old that she's allergic to dairy. So the first five weeks were not fun. And I was in my head. I'm like, how do people do this? Like, how do people have more than one kid? Like, this is horrible um she was a little high maintenance but once we figured that out she's at a fun age now where she just laughs and giggles at everything uh so it's it's been a mixture of both it's definitely a challenge but it's a it's a fun challenge that I'm sure like I said kind of any parent can attest to that um no matter how much you're lacking sleep or how tired you are or whatever it's totally worth it to see that little smile every day there, there was moments though when I was wondering whether it was worth it. There's, I, I know you say that and it's, it's the right thing and it's, it's true. But boy, there's moments when you're like, oh my goodness, I, I need to sleep. I, I don't doubt it. And my husband, at one point, one day, he looked at me dead serious and he was like, yeah, maybe we're just going to have one. <laughs> He's over uh, that. But that day, that was his, his thought. So it has been challenging. Uh, you guys enjoy this Christmas, uh, even with all the craziness. Uh, it's it's a wonderful time, especially with uh, with the new addition to the family. Uh, really embrace that. I know you will. And uh, the book is spectacular, and we love it. And we'll make sure in show notes, and we punk, pu- pump it up uh, a little bit at the end of the episode as well. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Go out there for a twirl, step on the ice, lonely end of the rink, throw a couple off, bar down, get into the crease, scrape it, and and play. That's uh, Shannon Zabados. And uh, boy, uh, what a year for her. Uh, having a child, uh, writing a book, and everybody loves to play. Uh, tell me that isn't uh, just the, the perfect little gift for the new parent uh, on, on everybody's list right now when you talk about it from a hockey perspective. Yeah. And hearing some of the reviews and reading some of the reviews of the book, it's for, for, for any, like it's a children's book, obviously, but it's for anyone, right? Like it really resonates from the one to five age from what I've read. 
uh, as she talked about, you heard her talk about it. Like it's it's gender gender neutral, it's race neutral. Like this isn't uh, isn't just her experience as a female goaltender. This this speaks to everyone. It sort of transcends sport as well. And I've read a lot of positive reviews. Our sets, our books that I ordered are in transit. Um, I've got a few people on my gift list that uh, I can't wait to add this for them uh, as a special little extra gift under the tree to, for some friends who still have younger children that fit this demographic. I'm not sure it's for my 16 year old, uh, but we've got some friends with young ones and I can't wait to share this with them and see their reaction. And, you know, I'd, uh, I'd encourage others to check it out. We've got some links in the show notes in terms of how you can go purchase it through Amazon based on some of the shipping times that I saw, it looked like you can still get this for Christmas and you will be able to for a, a num- a, another, you know, probably another four or five days after this podcast release. So uh, if you're looking for that extra little something for the uh, the little miniature up-and-coming athlete or just just anyone in your life that wants a positive sort of influence from somebody who's been such a positive influence for so many in the hockey world, I definitely definitely recommend checking out Every Bunny Loves to Play. We weren't intending to, to wait until we were approaching 100 episodes to have Shannon on. Uh, she's super busy. Uh, and we've had uh, different times where we were ready to record and uh, one of us couldn't be able to uh, accommodate the time that, that we had to back out. But it's almost like fate intervenes and it's the, it was the perfect time to catch up with her with everything that's going on with her life and being able to really reflect the hutch on, on her career and where she is right now. And then that, just that idea of going to a, a stick and puck skate and, and getting her, her work in. It's just, it was, I found that, and there's, there's, trust me, there's four more episodes with Shannon waiting to be, to be talked about because there's so much uh, with her career. But uh, that, that to me was a really interesting conversation. Uh, I loved it. And for me, it's always fun because I'm, I'm editing the show and I'm picking up this stuff for the, for the, for the first time and, uh, and absolutely loved it. Yeah. The story of, of going to stick and puck uh, reminds us of a young Eric Comrie telling us about when he was learning to play the game. And what courage it has to take to just stop off at stick and puck and put your gear on and her, the, the local drop in, um, how fun that must've been for the players on the ice that recognized her and, and, and humbling for the guys. So there, let's face it. There's probably some guys there, you know, she alludes to it in some of the stories I read about her. Um, probably some guys that thought, oh, there's, there's a girl at the other end. We, we better go easy on her. And, uh, I'm sure they humbled, she humbled them in a real hurry. Uh, cause, cause she really is one of the greatest to ever play the game. And, and I have a feeling that, uh, she might, had she re- received the opportunity, she might've gone a little bit further on the men's side of the game, uh, as well. Um, I think, uh, an incredible goaltender. So absolutely love that story. I love that she's talking about her personal life, uh, throughout all of this, because as, as I already said earlier today on the show, uh, I don't think we realize how much the personal life, uh, impacts our goaltending and it's great to see her being able to uh, enjoy that phase of her life at this point and uh, really thrilled that she was able to share it with us. I think there's some, a lot of great lessons in there for, for young women and young men playing the position now. And uh, great to hear her share all of those with us. Thanks. Uh, thanks for doing that guys. Yeah. And I was going to say any advice from Shannon translates automatically to every goaltender. It's not just women's 100%. goaltenders. I remember covering the 2010 Olympics and just being blown away at how good she was. How te- like I thought her technical game, was better than a lot of the guys I was watching on the on the, on the men's uh, stage at, at the Winter Olympics in 2010. Like, just she was so freaking good, and I hadn't had a ton of exposure to her at that point. And I just blown away at the talent there, and so fascinating for me to hear her tell us 
that she'd had no technical coaching until just a few years before that. Like she had been primarily just those self-taught and those lessons with Bill Ranford and no sort of, you know, pure technical foundation until she met Dustin Schwartz. And I knew they'd work together, but I didn't know that was the history. I had no idea going into it. So I thought that was fascinating. And Hutch, you just brought up a good point that I wanted to hit on really quickly. You know, it does take uh, an element of humility and bravery to throw the gear on and go to stick and puck, right? Like, I, I, I don't, I don't think I would, I'd be like, Oh, like, like, I, I don't know why I just, I'd feel awkward, honestly, probably in full gear at a stick and puck session. And yet how many of these greats have been willing to do that at various points, whether it's Shannon as an already established, like three-time Olympic medal winner going to a skate in, in Ohio, or you talked about Comrie as a kid, that was the ice he could get, so he took it. Or I'm thinking back to Connor Hellebuck coming out of yeah, high school and right. having no place to play and getting ready for what would be the biggest tryout of his life to, to you know to make junior a junior team um, in the states, and that led to college and springboarded to the NHL. And how did he do it? He took a buddy out to stick and puck. So there's a lesson there as well in the bravery. And the other part that jumped out to me, and I know to you too, Darren, was the shy part. And like yeah, for someone time. who's been shy to, to head out to stick and puck, surprised me, surprised me totally. Uh, I'm going to get my name on the list over at City National Arena for stick and puck uh, that happens every day during the lunch hour. Usually it's, I'm just watching it, but now after hearing Shannon and reflecting on those conversations with, uh, with Comrie and Connor, uh, boy, uh, ice time where you can get it. It's so uh, valuable. Uh, these days, and uh, we wish Shannon the best of luck. You could put on a VR headset, and you wouldn't even need people to shoot on you on Stick and Puck. You could actually go out there with a VR headset in your gear and play the game. Can you imagine that? I would... That would, that would take really cur- – it might be a little bit dangerous, too, because I'd probably run into yeah, somebody so. uh, along the way, <laughs> the, the the public skating. I'd have the person, the you know, the skating guard... You'd need a spotter. ...coming over yeah. to me and say, Sir... Sir, you're going the wrong way. Please, well, they wouldn't be telling me to slow down. That's that's for sure. Uh, fascinating conversation. Look forward to uh, catching up with Shannon uh, again. And every bunny loves to play. And uh, w- after everything that she's done in the game, that might be one of the coolest things that uh, that is part of her legacy is the children's book and uh, and becoming a parent. And yeah, nothing. Uh, gold medals and world championships, and then you've got that uh, that little nugget. Uh, in your arms, and uh, it all becomes uh, really, really straightforward and clear to us. Uh, Thanks to Hutch, thanks to Woody, thanks to you for listening, and thanks to our Olympic and world champion for joining us, uh, Shannon Zavados, in our feature interview brought to you by Sensorena. This is In Goal Radio, the podcast, brought to you by The Hockey Shop, thehockeyshop.com, source for sports, Surrey. Stay safe, everyone. (laughs) 